And I just realized that, hey, if I'm going to make it a success as an entrepreneur, I'm going to bring that discipline from the army and implement it into entrepreneurship. Hey, this is Adam, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Startup Diary. Now, I know you're used to hearing Martin open up these shows, but this was a short interview that I did with John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire. This guy's done over a thousand podcast episodes and made a business out of it. So I wanted to get him on the mic and find out, one, how he does it, talk about the business behind podcasting, and also if there's any skills from his previous job that translated into his success today. So without further ado, let's jump straight into the show with John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire. So John, firstly, I just want to thank you very much for coming on to the Startup Diary podcast. How are things? Adam, things couldn't be better. I am literally prepared to ignite. As always, I'm looking forward <laughs> to it, John. So we can direct people in terms of getting the background on what you do, uh, the show. But today, for the for our audience, I'm really keen to dig into the business behind the podcast that you run. So I want to take us all the way back. And the first question that I've got is what actually made you think that this was possible in the first place? Considering the outline and the structure and the schedule that you live up to, what made you actually look at the podcast world and say, what I want to do is actually possible? Just tell me what you were thinking. So there's a lot of stuff that was going through my mind. Number one, like, who am I to create this podcast? I mean, I have no experience in the podcasting world. I have no experience in the entrepreneurship world. I have no online presence whatsoever. What am I thinking? But on the flip side, you know, and I love Gandhi and I've read a lot about him. In fact, I'd spent four months in India and just a huge fan of all that he's been up to over his life. And that quote, be the change you wish to see in the world really resonates with me. And the fact was, Adam, is that I, like yourself back in the day, was always on the road. I was traveling, traveling, traveling here and there to appointments. And I love listening to podcasts. But the problem was my favorite podcasts, which is our, which were those that interviewed successful and inspiring entrepreneurs, were only on a couple days a week or once a week or twice a month. And I was like, I'm in my car seven days a week. I'm hitting the gym. Like I need more quantity. And I was like, you know, I can't provide that high a quality at the beginning because I'm going to frankly suck as a podcast host for a decent amount of time, but at least I can provide the quantity. So I want to be that change that I want to see in the world Back in September 2012, I launched a podcast called Entrepreneur on Fire as a very inexperienced, naive, robotic, nervous, scared podcast host. Every single episode, I got a little teeny weeny bit better. Uh, People like Adam uh, on the other line here were part of the Fire Nation faithful that kept me going with just their listens and their kind words. And over 1,300 episodes later, you know, we're still kicking, we're still alive. And Pretty cool stuff, Adam. I don't even think you know, but just two days ago, I interviewed Tony Robbins on his wow. request for 30 minutes. The interview will be going live on April 15th, and it just seems like it's a pretty cool culmination of what we've been doing for the past almost four years now. No, that's brilliant. And I just want to kind of just dig in. So when you first discovered podcasting, you came across that quote. How long did it take you from coming up with the concept of, hey, I want to do this daily podcast to actually taking some action? It took me approximately three months, and that was with 100% focus action. It was pretty much in June of 2012. I'll never forget. I sent an email uh, to who I, was gonna, who I was hoping would be my mentor, Jamie Tardy of The Eventual Millionaire, uh, now Jamie Masters of The Eventual Millionaire. 
And I reached out to her and said, hey, listen, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. You know, I'm willing to quit my job and just go all in. But I want you to mentor me because I know there's a lot that I have to learn, a lot that I don't know. And you have a successful business podcast. Let's do this. And she emailed back the same day, which was mind blowing to me. And she's like, hey, let's meet for coffee. Let's let's talk this through. Like, don't quit your job yet. Um, but let's let's have a conversation. And so we met for coffee because we happened to be in the same state. She was about an hour away. Um, had a great conversation. I hired her on the spot to be my mentor, which was really cool. Um, within a month, I had quit my job. I had gone all in. And three months from that email, I launched EO Fire. Okay, I just want to dig into that just a little bit there, John. So you you send this email over to Jamie, and I know uh, a bit about Jamie. I know how busy Jamie is. How did you actually cut through the noise? There must have been something <laughs> in that email that got their attention. Her attention. Would it be the fact that you were saying that I'm ready, I'm prepared to quit? What was it in that that you feel? Because you obviously spent a lot of time with them afterwards. What actually created that feeling that she thought actually this guy is committed? Absolutely. And to be fair, I mean Jamie masters now uh of 2016 is much more busy than the jamie masters of 2012 was because you know she was doing very well in the world um but you know like myself she's come a really long awesome way in the past four years as well so it was probably a little bit easier back then to get a hold of of people like that were about it at jamie's area and she was rocking it and i just said hey jamie um, I'm from the state of Maine. You're from the state of Maine. I love your podcast. I live within an hour of, of the town, you know, that you live. And it wasn't like creepy because she was very vocal about where she lived, um, <laughs> the town that she lived in. And I was like, and I'd love to meet you in person. Like, I'd love to buy you a cup of coffee because I am very interested in hiring you as a mentor. And I know how much you cost and I know that you're worth every penny of it. So I wasn't just like, I want to pick your brain for like, you know, whatever. Like I was saying, Hey, I want to give you money because I know that you are worth it, you know, and then some. So I want to invest in myself through you and make this happen. So I was just very blunt. I was very clear that, hey, your time is valuable. You have services like coaching and mentoring that I want to acquire. Let's do this. And what gave you the context of what her value actually was at that time? Had you spoken to previous clients? What gave, I know there was a lot of money that went down to actually hire, hire Jamie. So what? What was it that gave you the confidence to make this such a big leap from what you're doing previously into just saying, actually, let's just put the money on the table. I know you can help me. There's a big leap of faith there. I'm trying to work out how you get to it. Yeah. So her website had a great little link that just said, I'll mentor you. And it was like a whole page of what the mentoring service looked like, what the approximate cost range would be depending on what you wanted and needed. So I said, listen, I've been to that page. I've seen your prices. I think they're very fair. I think you're worth every penny and then some. And I want to lock you down for three months. Okay. So you, you locked Jamie down for three months and then you launched the podcast. What happened in those first three months actually made you think, actually we're getting traction here or or am i putting words in your mouth and that didn't actually happen and it was harder um than than we actually see from the outside tell me those first three months four months what it was like so the first three months post launch yes so launched september 22nd 2012 and i really had no idea what to expect i mean jamie and i had tried to kind of work out numbers about what the downloads would be and the listens would be but you know, podcasting was still pretty new back then. I mean, it had been around since 2004, but it still hadn't quite picked up, especially not to the degree that it is now. And I launched, and I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. And the first day there was like 28 downloads. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. Like 28 people press play on my podcast. 
that sounds pretty cool. And then day two came and that's when kind of all hell broke loose for lack of a better term <laughs> in a good way. Um, because, you know, again, back in 2012, apparently 28 downloads is enough to get you featured in New and Noteworthy. And that's what happened to me. And all of a sudden, I'm the number one New and Noteworthy podcast. And I went from 28 to 3,000 listens the next day. And I was like, whoa, that's a little bit of a game changer right there. And it was kind of surreal. And I will say for those next eight weeks, so the next two months post-launch, it was really awesome. It was very consistent, 2,500, 3,500, 3,100, 2,700, like right in that kind of 1,000 flex range between 25 and 3,500, I was seeing for download numbers and I was getting great response and great feedback and great rankings, et cetera. And I was thrilled. Um, but then day 57 hit and that was um, month 2.1. So second month, first day, day 57. I dropped out of New and Noteworthy, and it seemed like the bottom fell out of EO Fire because I went from those 25 to 3,500 listens a day down to 700, down to 900, down to 545. I mean, I was like going now in that range. I'm like, wow, is this the beginning of the end for EO Fire? And I was really having questions like, how is anybody going to find out about the show now that it's no longer featured in New and Noteworthy? Like, I just didn't get it. And... I had some doubts and I had some thoughts of, man, is this, is this it? Like, do I just start kind of wrapping things up? Like it was good while it lasted, you know, do I start to wind it down? You know, fortunately I've always stayed between 40 to 50 episodes ahead. So I was like, well, I'm at least just going to keep, you know, I'm going to publish these next 40 or 50 episodes and slowly, but surely nothing quick, nothing fast, but I started getting a thousand listens a day, then 1100 then 1300. And it was like, then 900, but then 1400. And I'm like, I'm seeing a slow trend going up. And so month three was very difficult, but month four rolled around. And that actually happened to be the beginning of the new year, which if a lot of people do podcasting, you know, December is a tough month because people are folks on holidays and vacations. And then January, things really started picking up. And I started seeing numbers like I did the first couple of months for the very first time. And that's when I was like, you know what? I'm in this for the long haul. I know this is a slow and steady growth. And now as we're talking, Adam, we got 1.25 million listens last month. That's just ridiculous. 28 day one. And then in the last month, you're at 1.25 <laughs> million. But what did you actually do to get the, well, did you do anything with Jamie in terms of prepping to get, you go, you go live. Did you do anything back then? Because I know there's a lot of, best practice now and I know there's a great course that you run that actually explains to people about how to kind of get yourself into new and noteworthy and launch a podcast but what was the best practice back then or was it still so new that people were still guessing what iTunes was looking for the latter Adam we really didn't know what was going on I mean you know I'd, I'd ask my guests to share the show they didn't even really know how to most of their audience didn't even know what a podcast was anyways I mean it was really the wild west you pretty much just had to rely on the audience that was already there in iTunes looking for content okay brilliant I've got a big red line around one question um, <laughs> that I just need to kind of just put on the table is the fact that you jumped into this and you must have had you've got you've got bills um you, you have responsibilities you you gave up a job that had salary you had a salary it was coming through the door what actually gave you the idea 
I know launching a podcast is one thing that's creative and it's great and you had this great vision, but what actually gave you the confidence to say, actually, not only will I enjoy it and it's something that I want to do, but it's something that can put bread on the table. Because I know back then, as you mentioned, that the rates that podcasting was collecting in terms of ad fees and bits like this were, were very unknown. What happened in your head back then to calculate that this is something you can do as a full-time job? Well, just to clarify, and for 100% honesty and transparency, I wasn't collecting a salary when I quit my job. I was 100% commission-based, which is how I wanted it. I was always a fan oh, wow. of you eat what you kill, always. And, and I love that. And that's why you know I was making the kind of money that I was, because I was willing to take the risks, and I was willing to work hard. I was willing to make it happen. So I've, I've always kind of been uh, the opposite of risk-averse. I've always kind of loved and thrived on risk. And I looked at my bank account and I said, you know what? At my current level of living expenses, I have 18 months before I need to start getting worried about where I'm at in the world. I live a very frugal life. Um, you know, I have some passive income coming in through some real estate investments, et cetera. And I have a lot of savings. So I have 18 months before I even need to consider like, searching for maybe that part-time job to start bringing some some cash in the door. So I knew that I had a buffer. I knew that I had that. And I also knew that I was sick and tired of chasing success, of trying to find something that was going to be a monetarily smart move. And I was like, you know, there's a quote by Albert Einstein that changed everything for me. And that quote is, try not to become a person of success, but rather become a person of value. Like I had read that quote yeah, back it. in my 20s but I never got it. I didn't understand that quote. When I read that quote again in my early 30s, I was like, oh, now I get what he's saying. And I just wanted to, to take a leap of faith and just become that person of value and deliver free, valuable, and consistent content to my audience. And that's what EO Fire was. No, it's brilliant. And you had it harder than me. I was a salesman through and through before I left to start up my own business. But I wasn't purely a commission. I at least had a base salary that kind <laughs> of kept the base covered. So fair play on that one. Um, right. Can I make the assumption that the reason you had those investments um, and that, that savings is because of the history in the army that you had? Did that have an impact? That definitely helped. Okay. My deployment to Iraq for 13 months um, number one, you don't pay taxes uh, when you're deployed. That's kind of one of the bonuses they give you. Number two, you can't spend any money because you're deployed in the back. So I, I came back with like $80,000 in the bank, um, which really was a good portion of my nest egg. No, fair plan. That kind of takes me on to where I wanted to take the conversation in terms of um, I, I actually applied to the Army and did three months and realized it wasn't the lifestyle for me. It was uh, – it was a great job, but wasn't a lifestyle. But I learned a hell of a lot in three months in phase one training that taught me a lot about myself. Apart from your just ability to have absolute rigor to do a daily episode, what else from your time in the services transitioned to what you're doing today? Can you repeat that question? You kind of broke off for a second. Ah, uh, yeah, sorry. So what I was just trying to get at is what did you actually do in the army that transitioned apart from the organizational skills and the rigor to what you do on a daily show? How did that part of your life and your career help you with what you're doing today? So discipline is so huge in the military. And I just realized that, hey, if I'm going to make it a success as an entrepreneur, 
I'm going to bring that discipline from the army and implement it into entrepreneurship. But I think a lot of entrepreneurs fail because they fail at being their own boss. They don't know how to set parameters and to set rules and to set a regimented schedule for themselves. And so they just fail because of that. They really need somebody to do that for them. But I learned at a very young age that, hey, like it's discipline that's going to win the day. Like we have a saying in the army, we get more stuff done before 9 a.m. than the rest of the world does all day. And I took that mentality and applied it to entrepreneurship. I was a huge fan of that. And it really helped me in a lot of different ways. Like I, I was a logistical, a logistics officer in the army for my last two years. And I realized the power of batching, you know, just like Henry Ford realized the power of the assembly line. I realized the power of batching, of doing a lot of things, a lot of repetitive tasks at the same time, instead of spacing them out and just knocking it all out at once. And I've utilized and implemented that disciplined batching in my career. Like Adam, you are the, you are interview number eight of 10 that I'm doing today. I blocked off five hours. People have 25 minute blocks with me and I'm done 10 interviews for the day and I'm done for the month for interviews and other shows. And I batch everything in my life just like that. No, it's impressive. I mean, I know the, the from following you for a long time. I know the rigor that you do with your shows, um, and it's all, <laughs> it, it, it's amazed me just the fact that we've now done a show and we're kind of fourteen, fifteen episodes in. It's going really well, right. but because we're not batching, we're trying to fit it in and around the core business of what we do. It's an absolute nightmare. Um, so, uh, as as you as you just pointed out, we've got twenty five minutes. I'm very aware of the time. Let me just skip ahead. You're at one point two five million downloads last month, and I've seen that you've developed not just a podcast, but you developed it into such an amazing brand. You've got services and products. What's the big vision uh, for yourself as well as for EO Fire? And I say them as two separate things because I want you to answer them as two separate things as well. Um, where do you see EO Fire going? Because it's not the John Lee Dumas podcast, it's EO Fire. What, what happens, where are both of these people slash brands in five to 10 years? Great questions on both areas. And I, have what sometimes is very disappointing answers uh, for people that ask these questions because there's a very honest reality in my world. I have no idea where I'm going to be, where EO Fire is going to be in five to 10 years because I have no idea where the world's going to be in five to 10 years. Things that have happened in the last six months are mind blowing, let alone what's going to happen in the next six months. And that's going to completely shift everything that I do with my business. I know for a core fact that I'm going to be looking to deliver free, valuable, and consistent content to people, whether that's through a podcast, whether that's through Snapchat, or any of the other hundred of things that's going to come up and, and, and die and then rebirth in the next five to 10 years. Like That's going to always be my core focus. How can I best deliver free, valuable, and consistent content to my audience? I heard a lot of, um, I'm, a, I'm a follower of Gary Vaynerchuk, and I hear a lot of his mentality in your answer in terms of, I'm not going to decide what's going to happen in five years, 10 years. I'm going to see what's working, and I'm just going to counter punch and just deliver the value in whatever channels best operates at that time. <laughs> That's, it just sounded great. Um, okay, so just some quick fire stuff. I've got three questions um, that I just want to finish up with. Firstly, this is just a personal one that I'm just super curious about. So if you record 100 shows, uh, for your own podcast, not not for kind of third party um, guests. If you record a hundred shows, how many of them actually get binned because you just don't think the quality is high enough for your show? On average, zero, 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 wow. zero, zero. I've trashed one episode in thirteen hundred plus, and it was because of audio quality, not because of quality quality. Because 
Listen, I do a daily show. If I was to do a weekly show, I might be a little more stringent on these guidelines. But the reality is this. You can take something away even from a bad interview. And some of the interviews that I've been like, man, that was not good. I've gotten people email back and say, wow, John, that show really connected with me. And I'm like, really? Wow. So I don't try to judge. I just say, you know what? I'm going to do the best that I can as a host. Even if the interview doesn't go as well as I hoped it did, it's still going out live. Ah, oh, that's cool. Um, so next one is, it's going to be a tough one, I think, for you. You're put on a desert island, you've got an iPod, and you've got one iTunes subscription to a podcast. What do you listen to? I listen to the Ask Gary V Show. That's oh, really? a podcast wow, that okay. I've really been enjoying. Um, I'm right now in the middle of the Ask Gary V book, which I think is phenomenal. But he just keeps it real. Uh, I like his attitude. I like his mentality. I disagree with a lot of what he says. But, hey, I think that's healthy. And I think that's fine. And, and I've said that to his face as well. Like I've, I called in a question to the Ask Gary V show a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, you know, Gary, I don't think you've answered this question well. So I hope you answer it well this time because I'm going to re-ask you the same question. And I did. And he was like, JLD, I respect that. And he's like, here's a better, here's, here's, here's me trying harder. And I, I like his podcast. I like his attitude. I think he gives real good value. No, it's great. I've just finished his audio book and I was actually down at Vayner World in London uh, two weeks ago for his book launch down here. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was great fun. Um, I might have seen you on video then because you were doing the whole video thing. Yeah, exactly. I spent a bit of time with D-Rock actually. It was, uh, it was quite a surreal experience because I've been following for a while. Um, anyway, let me get back to some value. Uh, this is the last one for me. And, um, hopefully, it's not the same answer as the last one. But what book do you find yourself most recommending to people? The Freedom Journal. That's totally a, uh, a cat on my own yeah. back, 100%. Yeah, but that's the reality. I mean, I put my heart and my soul into what I see that entrepreneurs struggle with the most. They don't know how to set and accomplish goals. The problem with a lot of business books is they're talking about the fad right now, like what's working now. It's not a life solution. It might be like a Band-Aid over a bigger problem. But for me, I've interviewed 1,300 people. I know that people struggle setting and accomplishing goals. The Freedom Journal will guide you in the accomplishment of your number one goal in 100 days, period. And it will make a massive difference and change in your life. And if you're in London, I'm sorry with how expensive it is to <laughs> ship it over there. I hate it, uh, but there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> No, that's great. Uh, I haven't got myself a copy yet, but just rest assured, I, I will be grabbing one soon. Um, I'll do the same Resting thing I did. <laughs> I'll do the same thing. We just did a, a Gary V book review, and as soon as I get my hands on the Freedom Journal, I'll do one for our podcast as well. I've, I've, awesome. John, I've been a fan of what you've done for a while. Um, one, because of the show and the value that you put out, but two, just because of the kind of work ethic. Now, we've got two minutes left of this. I know how good you are with your timings. Um, so one, <laughs> one selfish thing for me that I'm still going to keep into the show, but how can I interview guests better? Give me one tip because 1,300 shows deep, there'll be something that you've picked up on that you say, mm, Adam could have asked that differently. Like, this, this should have come up in the show. Give me one tip that I can take away. Always pull the story out of your guest. Don't let them get away with, oh, feel fast, feel forward, feel, feel for farther. Like Those are just all canned responses that every, everybody likes to have in their back pocket because it's easy to say. Be like, no, like I don't want like what you think failure is. I want you to tell me a time that you flopped on your face and you had to pick yourself up. I want to be in that moment in time. So always pull the story out. Pull the story. Just made a note. It's perfect. John, just before we wrap up, we've got 60 seconds left. So give me uh, what you're focusing on at the moment and where we should send people to as soon as they have got to 23, 24 minutes deep of the startup diary. 
I am obsessed with Snapchat right now. So if you want direct mentoring from JLD, you got to head over to eofire.com slash snap, preferably on your smartphone because that'll take you directly to where you can follow me on Snapchat. And I drop value bombs for free daily. And I'm also hilarious on there. And I'm not a funny guy, but Snapchat makes me funny. You will pee your pants just a little on Snapchat when I'm on there dropping value bombs. And of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't give the URL, thefreedomjournal.com. Check it out, my friends. No matter how much it's going to cost for it to be shipped to your doorstep, it will be worth its weight literally in gold if you have it delivered. I genuinely believe it, John. Thank you so much for the time. Um, It's been great to connect and good luck in the future, buddy. Thanks, Adam. Now, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And if you've got all the way to the end of the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review for the show. We're trying to get this podcast into as many ears of entrepreneurs as possible, and those reviews make a huge difference. If you want to connect with any one of our team, whether it's myself, Martin, Harry, Matt, anyone related to any part of building a startup, the easiest way to do it is to go to Instagram, and we are Our Startup Show on Instagram, and we would love to hear from you. Until the next show, speak to you soon, stay well, and keep hustling. Bye-bye.